we've been going through a series on Acts, and I'm going to be talking on Acts 5, but to kind of like set the stage for it, I'm going to do a little like flashback to a few weeks ago, Acts 2, and in Acts 2 is where we see the early church getting set up. The early church is getting going, um, and so we're going to read that just to kind of remind ourselves of what the church looked like, what the setting was, and why our text later tonight is so significant. So this is Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. It says, they devoted themselves to they, which is the church, the body of believers, the people, uh, devoted themselves to the apostles, that's people who are leading the church. Um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So all this to say, all this is setting the scene of like, this was the place to be. Like everyone was hanging out. I imagine it would be like, they're having golden garden barbecues and they're like going over to the lighthouse for parties and just like, they were, they were on a good time and they were like sharing meals together, having fun, but they were also witnessing God do incredible things. And so people were just being added, like every creed, color, and nation, everyone was coming together and it was awesome. And like that sounds like a dream. That in that setting like that people were vibing they were loving it and it sounds like that is where we would want to be understandably um and so you can take that text down because as we move through acts i'm going to hit on the very end of acts four before we get into acts five it just kind of paints a picture of what was going on there's this guy barnabas and he it's just like two verses i think i've written down it's not on the screen it just all it says is that this guy barnabas sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And so that's what people were doing. They were like taking their property, taking their things, taking whatever they had, and it said that next to, they're bringing it to the apostles' feet, and then the apostles would take it and distribute it to people who had needs. So nobody had needs. Because everyone would just like give their stuff, give whatever they had, they would take it and spread it around. But like it just says that one verse about Barnabas, and it's like, cool, <laughs> good guy, <laughs> great job. <laughs> But that's all it says. Um, and then we see a slight shift right after that, coming into Acts 5. And this is the text that we're going to be sitting in tonight and talking through. Um, it's about a husband and a wife, Ananias and Sapphira. And so you, can, you guys can read along with me. But they go about things in a slightly different way than Barnabas. So this is what it says. Um, but there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property he brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming that it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God." As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> keep, keep going. <laughs> Everyone who heard about this was terrified, rightly so. 
Um, then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are outside the door and they will carry you out too. <laughs> Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. <laughs> when the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. <laughs> Sounds about right. I would be freaked out too. Um, this is our text that we're looking at and it's kind of crazy. I read pieces of scripture like this and I'm just like, what? Like, why is that happening? And I think many of us would probably agree. Um, but Acts 5, here we go. We're going to get into it. Um, so I know this story is kind of blunt, kind of aggressive, um, but we're going to unpack it a bit together. And real quick, I just want to make like a little quick aside. There's kind of, as, as we open our Bibles, as we read them, as we study them, there's kind of two ways that we as humans can read scripture. We can read it as descriptive, which means it's simply telling us something that happened, or prescriptive, teaching us something that should happen. So now this, this text is descriptive. <laughs> it's telling us what happened. I don't believe it's prescriptive and saying like, okay, if one of you lies, you're gonna fall down dead. Because if that were the case, I'd be dead. <laughs> I don't believe that's what that text is saying to us tonight. Um, so with that, what is there to see or what is there to take away? And here's what I see. I see Barnabas right before this. It's a simple little verse of like he comes, he gives all he has, and needs are met. And then right after it, we see Ananias and Sapphira, they're coming. They give most of what they have. They keep some hidden but still seeking that same praise and recognition that Barnabas got. So they're being like straight up deceitful, which we can see in what they're doing. Ananias and Sapphira, they're coming in, um, they're essentially putting up a front in order to appear a certain way. They're like, they're going through the motions like Barnabas, but they don't have like the heart behind it. Um, they want to appear trusting of God with everything that they have, but Really, they don't want to do the actual sacrifice. I think point blank, they want to belong to what's going on, but on their terms. They're just, they're not being honest. So real quick, I want to pause, and I want to go back to band for just a minute. Um, there was one day in class, as I said, I didn't really practice, but there was one day in class, our teacher was so mad at us. He was just like, you guys aren't practicing. You suck. This is the worst. And he got really fed up and he went over to the piano and then he started, he would play a chord and point at someone and say, what chord is that? And then if they got it right or wrong, he would write it down and then go to the next person and play a different chord. And you had to say what chord it was and I'm sitting there like... No, <laughs> like I'm going to get found out. This is the moment. And he goes through the entire front row and then he's going through the back row or the second row where I'm at. I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, 
whatever, this is it. I'm going to get found out. So he plays a chord, and he looks at me, and I kind of do, like, the thinking. (laughs) And I'm like, E-flat major. Very good, Brooke. Not surprised at all. (laughs) I was like, yes! (laughs) Man, I just, like... Flew under the radar with that one, praise the Lord. But you guys, I could have been outed right then. Like that could have been the moment. But here, I mean, I say that, it's funny, whatever. I got by. But I mean, really throughout all that experience, I was putting up a front to look like I belonged in there as a certain way to like appease my teacher and my friends. Like, I was going through the motions, and luckily in that moment, (laughs) fit in with what was going on, but I wasn't, like, doing the work behind it, and I wasn't actually there. And so I want to turn this conversation, I want to turn it towards you guys and ask the question for you to think about of, are you being real? Are you giving everything you have when it comes to your faith? Are you holding back? Are you keeping some hidden? Are you keeping something hidden? Are you putting up a front to people? There's another, there's kind of another different spin to think about in this that I think all of us can relate to what I'm about to say. Of say you're walking into like your house or a class or wherever, something with your family, and someone asks you a question like, hey, how you doing? I guarantee you, you answer with one of these three words. (laughs) You either say, I'm good, I'm busy, or I'm tired. (laughs) Come on. Okay, so it's like, or you can say a combination of all three of like, yeah, yeah, I'm just, gosh, I'm pretty tired because things have just been really busy, but I'm good. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) That doesn't actually mean anything. (laughs) Or you can do one of those, all three of those, but those are just like, buzzwords, they don't really mean anything. And really, it's just kind of a way to say like, I'm fine. Don't ask it like, I'm just, I'm just giving you this. I'm good, I'm fine, I'm tired, I'm busy. Fine's another one in there. Um, but why, is that, why does that matter? Why does, why does this matter? To ask the question of, are you being real? And it matters because as we are going through this series and looking at who are we becoming as a community, it affects who we're becoming. I believe that we are becoming a community that is real and authentic and that there are acts of authenticity in this place, but it starts with you being real with yourself. That's the invitation that I hope you guys hear tonight is to look at if you're being real with who you are or if you're putting up a front to fit in for whatever reason in your circumstances. And what I'll say to you guys is that we, as a staff, as a community, as this place at the inn, we need you to bring whoever you are to the table. We need you to be exactly who you are at the table, no fronts, no masks, no facades. With your brokenness, with your victories, with your doubts, 
with your revelations, whether you are male or female, whether you're a person of color or not, whether you are upset or joyful, whether you're a believer or not. We need you to come to the table exactly as you are. That way we can become a community that knows one another and move forward in addressing the needs that are around us. If we all just show up and constantly be like, hey, I'm good. You too. <laughs> like our own identity at that point is being kind of built on cracks, you know? Where it's like the foundation's not really there because I'm not really addressing how I'm doing and if I'm being real. And then as I start to build relationships and build community, like that is just, that's rocky. Be real with who you are. You were created with gifts, with talents, with dreams, with questions, with doubts. Bring all of that. Who cares if it does not look like the person next to you? Quite honestly, it should not. It shouldn't. Be yourself and that frees others up to do the same. So we've kind of been talking at like a 30,000 foot view and I'm gonna like shwink, bring it in to like a 10,000 foot view and try and make things a little bit more practical. Um, as you're thinking about the question of, okay, am I being real? And you're thinking about that with your own thoughts, your own questions, your own doubts, your own revelations. The truth is you cannot do that alone in isolation. Like that is what is so dangerous. And so I wanna ask the question for, again, you guys think about it, like who knows you? Who really knows you? Who knows like what you're struggling with and what you are questioning, what you're doubting, what you're facing? and that they would know when you're faking it. This is the kind of realness that gives space to one another to say, hey, I have questions. <laughs> I have questions, I have doubts. It gives you the space with one another to say things like, I don't know how God is good in this situation, or I don't know what to do with this friendship, or I have jealousy over here in this area. It gives you space to have that authentic realness with one another. And when we do this, when we're real with a few, real, like imagine your tribe of people, when you're real with a few, you can come into any space, whether it's this space or whatever outside of here, whatever, wherever you find yourself, you can come into that and not have to fake it to belong because you know, you know who you are. Ananias and Sapphira went through the motions without being real, lacking trust that it will be okay if they truly brought themselves to the table. Um, what I see in Ananias and Sapphira is I see something was, something was kind of trapping them or binding them in. They're bound by something. We don't know what that was. The scripture doesn't really say. It could have been pride that led them to do what they did. It could have been oppression of some sort. It could have been doubts. I mean, lacking of trust. Like who, it could have been so many things. Who knows what exactly it was, but they were bound and that caused them to feel like they needed to keep some for themselves. Like they needed to stay back and there's, there's a gap there. Um, at the beginning of the night, we talked about the setting of the Church of Acts um, and how all the people were sharing, they were eating, they had community, it was awesome, but all the needs were being met. Those that had plenty were able to give to those that were in need and everything was shared. And so that caused me to think of the question of what are the needs in this community? 
I see, well, I see things that have gained momentum this year. I see things like nevertheless, that Sydney talked about earlier, a space for people to talk about sexual assault. I see things like catalyst conversations where we can come together and talk about race and diversity and how to seek out reconciliation with each other and in this neighborhood and in this city. Um, I see belonging as a space for students to come and have conversations around the LGBTQ plus community and how that relates to scripture. And I see things like two Mondays ago, I got to sit around a table of women in this room who have felt oppressed or silenced by the church. And I got to sit and talk with them about how Jesus empowers women, how he loves them, and how we can do this for one another, how we can empower one another. There are needs in this room. There are needs in this room. So can we, as a community, stack hands and say that we are going to show up fully who we are? Not hiding doubts, not hiding shame, not hiding secrets, but standing face to face and saying, yes, I have doubts, but I'm here. <laughs> yes, I have questions, but I'm here. <laughs> or yes, I want to trust, but I'm scared. Or yeah, I want to be seen, but that's also scary. But the beautiful thing that happens when we are aware of our own needs is that Jesus meets us there and fills the gap. Scripture talks about the fullness of Christ and how we are complete in Christ and he fills the gap between where we are and where we wanna be. But it's trusting in the power of Christ to fill those needs and then we start to have eyes to see the needs of those around us. And the truth is, the truth is, is that what you bring to the table just as you are, recognizing that I come, here I am, Jesus meets me where I'm at, he fills me to the fullness of his measure and that allows me to help fill the needs of those around me. And vice versa. Like when you guys all come to the table and say, this is who I am, <laughs> this is me, that feeds into others' lives. And that's what makes this place thriving and seeing what Jesus is doing. Uh, people in this room have had the bravery to be authentically themselves, to be real about who they are. And that has changed conversations in this room in the past year. It's changed conversations to say like, hey, me too. Like, oh yeah, I feel that. Or I feel the gap. I feel whatever it is. Let's support one another and look to Jesus to fill the need that is there. I wanna end tonight by looking a little later in Acts. Um, I'm not gonna get fully into it. Quite honestly, it's a full another sermon, so I'm not gonna do that. Um, but later on in Acts 5, you guys can read it. There is this scene where the apostles, they were the leaders of the church. They'd been preaching Jesus, like the community had been doing awesome. They get put into jail by like the priests and the other officials. They get put into jail, but then what happens is an angel comes and says that the angel like breaks the jail cell free and tells them to go and spread the message of life. And then the apostles go and they keep preaching and they keep doing what they're doing. But you guys, it like, that's, it's so awesome. You guys should read it of just like how they're broken free from jail. And that's what I want to remind you and send you with tonight is that, that same, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead and ascended him in his resurrection, that same power is the power that broke the jail 
to set the apostles free. And that is the same power that allows us to look into ourselves and trust that Jesus will meet us where we're at and fill our needs and allow us to step in authentically with one another. It's the same power. But the first step to all of that is being real. Being real with who you are and where you're at. Not putting up a front and not holding back. And allowing the power of Jesus to break whatever chains are holding you back. Whatever it is that makes you feel like, I can't do this, I can't tell people, I can't be seen. Jesus breaks those chains and you are free to be yourself and then bring others along with you to do the same. Like that is the beauty of the process and it is a journey. But that's when we as a community will get to experience the power of Jesus um, to break the chains that hold, our, hold us back, the freedom to bring ourselves to the table because Jesus has changed us and to share with one another in the needs with you, that we face because Jesus meets us there. So I hope that that's what you guys hear tonight, of asking yourself the question of, am I being real or am I putting up some sort of front? Um, but please, I invite you, genuinely invite all of you to come to the table just exactly as you are. So with that, I'm gonna pray to close this out. And then we'll carry on. <laughs> please pray with me. Uh, Jesus, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for who you are um, and the freedom that we experience in your gospel. God, I pray for everyone in this room that we could all take a moment to pause and ask you, am I being real? And if not, God, that you would meet us there with grace. And God, I pray that with your help, we could each take trusting steps forward, knowing that you created us uniquely. You give us courage to bring all that we are to the table. And Jesus, I thank you for this space. I pray that your truth would stand firm tonight. And as a community, we could experience the power of you breaking chains in our lives and the freedom to be ourselves. Jesus, we love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>